this has been a lot of fun um, having a chance to talk a little bit about sports. Um, last week, I talked with Matt Middleton, um, head high school coach down in the state of Louisiana. Uh, th that was really good perspective for me. Um, as, as I've said on every one of these episodes, um, high school coaches at any sport really are are the first level of athletic connection to any student athlete, any parent, anybody involved in the you know the athletic process. So uh, uh, it was just really fun to kind of get that perspective and, and hear some of the things that they're saying. Uh, on this episode today, I'm going to be joined with Jake Ritma from 97.1 The Ticket. Um, I've known Jake uh, vaguely through some of our um, interactions over the last couple of years. He's also the host of a uh, podcast that covers the GLIAC, which is a league uh, primarily based in the state of Michigan. Uh, it's where I played. He played at uh, actually a rival school, so it's going to be interesting. You're going to have a Saginaw Valley uh, Cardinal interview in a Northwood Timberwolves. Never never thought that uh, I would see the day where that happened, but Jake's, um, um, Jake's going to have great insight. And the thing that's going to be really fun with Jake is he's going to be able to talk a little bit, maybe more about the higher levels, professional uh, sports. That's what he covers. That's what you know. I, I would consider 97.1 the ticket a, a major um, sports news media. And that's something I've talked about here. I've been kind of critical. Um, uh, I'd like to kind of talk to Jake a little bit about his perspective. So that's going to be awesome coming up here in just a few minutes talking to Jake, hearing his perspective. When you look at it, I think kind of from the higher levels, when, you know, this is a radio station that covers the Pistons and the Tigers and the Lions, um, all, the, all, the, all the major sports um, throughout the day. 24-7 news cycle is what I've touched on before. So there's a couple of things I want to talk to him about, but also what was really important is um, Jake's father was the head football coach at Northwood University for a long time. Um, Jake's uh, dad, uh, Pat Ritma, is the all-time winningest coach at Northwood, uh, ran a strong program. Um, and, and I think getting that perspective of what kind of an influence that has been uh, on Jake and where his life is today, obviously not just as, a, as, as his father, um, but also, again, as, as far as seeing his, his dad be the head coach of a college program, that was always very good, always in the national playoffs or in the playoff picture um, all my years when I was playing, and he just did a really phenomenal job there. So kind of getting that perspective, maybe taking it away from the – obviously his dad's had a great impact on his life. Um, but getting a chance to hear from Jake about what is what his dad's role as a college football coach um, had on him in his career today, um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So that's coming up. Um, the, the second topic that I want to talk about after the interview with Jake is, is really going to be an important one to me. It's kind of what's going on in the Big Ten in sports today with um, the reaction to the pandemic. So that's going to be something to follow up with. I'm I'm very excited to talk about that. I think it's extremely controversial topic, in my opinion, and I don't know if I'll make any friends off of that topic uh, or make anybody happy, but there's some things that I want to cover on it. And uh, give you the listeners, anybody that tunes in, a chance to kind of um, formulate your own opinion on it. Uh, regarding this first portion, I wanted to talk about participation medals. Um, it, it's something that I never thought I would have talked about. Um, it's something that I think is is very important in this day and age. It's it's a little bit of a hot topic in sports when you talk about you know the state of sports and, and, and what's going on, and especially with youth is participation medals. They get thrown around a lot as a kind of a hot topic to talk about. And I have a little bit of a conundrum to, 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 to be completely honest with you. You know, 10 years ago, um, my comment on participation medals would have been a lot different than they are today. Um, I have two children. I have a 10-year-old, I have a seven-year-old. And the topic of participation medals is, is very, I, I think, legitimate. 
Um, it's a conversation. It's something that we should really talk about. Um, Matt talked about it last week in the interview that everybody gets a medal nowadays. Um, here's the challenge that I have to everybody, and this is where I think it's it's a topic that it can go both ways, which is what I like to discuss, where it's not just clear cut. You know, there's some things in life that are just clear cut. Um, this one is something that I don't when it regards uh, in regards to sports. I have a seven-year-old. I have a ten-year-old. Um, they've been given participation medals in the past. Um, mostly my mostly my son playing some of the sports. My daughter's more into, you know, jazz and. and lyrical dance. Um, but the reality is we also have a participation issue in this society. Okay. So you've got the balance of everything in, in America and society is about winning, you know, unless you win, you shouldn't get a trophy. And I think there's a valid um, case to be made for that. But then we have a participation issue in, in sports. People talk about football, having a participation issue in youth sports. So how do you bridge that gap? Where do you where do you go to find kind of the middle ground to say, okay, we want to continue to foster participation in all sorts of sports, but then at the end of the day, we don't want to give rewards for kids for just participating because life isn't, you know, as you get older, life isn't just about participating. When you become a, you know, employee or you own your own business or anything that you do in life, in sales, it's about the sale. You know, you don't get a medal in sales. I work in sales. You don't get a medal for a good job. You know, you get rewarded for people buying your product. So there is true value to that. But at the same time, we want kids playing sports. One of the big things that I think needs to be talked about in unison with participation medals is sports, you know, specification or sport specific training. You know, we've become a society of adults, not kids. We've become a society of adults that tells a lot of kids that you can only play one sport. And then we wonder why there is an argument for participation medals. And then there's an argument um, for the fact that, you know, they shouldn't get medals if, if, if they don't or if they do participate. But then at the same hand, we have a participation issue. I think it's a really tough balance. You know, we're out here telling our kids at such a young age that you have to focus on one sport. And, you know, I can't, again, speak to every sport. I have been involved with football my whole career, played basketball, played soccer when I was younger. Um, I, I, I played one year of Little League Baseball, wish I would have played more. So it's hard for me to say which sports um, do you need to, to be sport specific to and which ones can you play multiple. The problem always comes into the adults that are advising these young individuals. Okay. If I have a young individual that I'm advising, the first thing I'm going to say to him is well, you're going to probably land, whether it be in college or not playing college athletics, whether you're going to land and be a professional athlete, regardless of what you do. Okay. And I hate to say it doesn't matter because what you run into is you run into so many businesses now that are formulated on working with young student athletes. I mean, I have a business that I work as a navigator, as an educator to try and, and advise families on the recruiting process. Okay. So in one, I'm kind of speaking out uh, both ends of my mouth a little bit, but the reality is when you have so many business and jobs that their job is to work with young student athletes, Though that's going to become sport specific because at the end of the day, you can always say, if I just train for football, that gives me my best chance to be prepared for when that opportunity comes up. But my argument is to anybody that will listen is that really doesn't matter. 
it's kind of irrelevant. And I know it's really tough to hear, but you're going to end kind of based off of your God-given talents, where you're supposed to end. You know, if you are six foot four, 280 pounds, and you can run the 40 in five flat, 5.1, you are going to have a chance at the Big Ten, okay, to play football. If you are five foot 11 and you are 250 pounds, you are not going to have a chance at the Big Ten. And there is, there is almost nothing you can do. Time can maybe tell you that as you grow and you maybe missed the window to be recruited and as a sophomore to play at some of these big schools in the Big Ten or in the Pac-12 or in the SEC, and somehow you hit a growth spurt in college and you walk onto a place. I mean, use the example of T.J. Watt all the time. He took a scholarship to Central Michigan. Didn't really, I don't think he had an offer to, to University of Wisconsin. Played there for a year, got bigger, stronger, transferred to Wisconsin, and look where he is. So the timetables don't always match up. So you can play that game a little bit with sports-specific training. But my advice to anybody is kind of let it happen. And it's okay as a parent, as an adult, to say to a young student athlete, listen, because you choose to play, I don't know what some of the spring sports are. I mean, I'm not sure if tennis is a spring sport. If you play tennis or if you wrestle, it does not mean that you have lessens your chance to play it in the Big Ten. And I don't know if that message is really being thrown out there. And that's, again, where you talk a little bit about the participation trophies and the participation issues. You know, if my advice gets a young student athlete to play three sports, which I think is great in high school, which I think is great at a young level, okay, maybe even before high school. If my advice gets that young student athlete and that family to say, it's okay for my son or daughter to play multiple sports just because they enjoy it, because they have friends that maybe play you know, volleyball when she's a really good basketball player or play soccer when she's a really good softball player. I don't know if those sports seasons always match up, but, you know, maybe that's not doable from a time standpoint, but let's say they, they're they on opposite seasons. I just don't think it's going to stop you from getting the scholarship in the sport that you're best at or giving you the opportunity to play at a next level. You know, and I think those are things we're struggling as a society to advise people on. And we always want to focus on trophies and medals. Well, I don't know, what's the big deal if a kid gets a medal? To me, that's always my first thing. Not happy about it. I'm not going to say it's something I don't discuss with my son when he's received medals just for playing and being part of a, you know, a T-ball team that he was part of. But at the same time, I want him to keep playing. So it's this tough balance. You know, we sit here and we, we kind of, we, we hammer these kids and we give them, you know, so, and it, you know, so much time it's on social media and an adult or something saying we shouldn't be giving out participation trophies. I don't know, is it that big of a deal? You know, when I was a kid, okay, they didn't give out a ton of participation trophies that I can remember. You know, but they also did a lot of other things. I mean, I remember when I was playing baseball and at the end of the season, you know, we had like a pizza party at the end of that one season. I thought that was really cool. You know, that was something that I thought was really fun. And I don't know, again, it didn't keep me playing. Um, but at the end of the day, I thought that was really neat. And in some ways, I remember that more than I remember getting a hit in the fifth game. I mean, I don't know. I think we've gone so overboard on focusing on things that really don't matter as adults kid gets a participation trophy or a participation medal what's the big deal again we're talking to matt last week matt middleton he doesn't agree with it and that's fine that's i'm if you don't agree with it raise your family the way you choose to raise them you know advise your you know your kids and your nephews and nieces and any and grandchildren however you want to advise them but I don't know. We always want to get to this point where we are just like throwing our opinions out at everybody. I don't know. What's the big deal? You know, we need kids playing sports. Um, we don't need kids doing less. 
you know, but as adults, we're the ones that have to take the step back and say, okay, my kid playing three or four, you know, sports throughout the year is not going to hinder his chance to be a major league baseball player or to be in the NFL or to play in the WNBA or the NBA. I think that's the biggest thing that we can do as adults when we kind of talk about participation and participation medals. Kind of let it happen a little bit. You know, that's my advice to any young student athlete. Let it happen. You know, if you're a really good football player and you're a wrestling coach, this is probably one of the, I can speak to this because I've seen this happen. You're a really good football player, okay? And maybe, um, I don't know, you're a linebacker. And your coach asks you, or your wrestling coach asks you to wrestle in the 185 weight class. Well, that's not a that's not a great weight class to say that you're going to be a college linebacker because of the physical toll it takes. If you're that talented to play at a certain level, first of all, they'll see that, and coaches love that competition. But then, second of all, you'll gain that weight back because it's that natural. You've got that natural build. That's why you were getting that interest, anyways. So I think the kind of participation trophy is used a little bit incorrectly as far as how we're viewing it you know if 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 a, if a sport you know coach gives out a participation trophies and that helps that kid come back the next year nothing wrong with that you know yeah okay life as they become 30 and 30 I'm 37 life doesn't give me any participation trophies I figured that out and it didn't take me worrying when I was 10 years old worrying about whether or not I got a I think sometimes we're always trying to teach these kids these lessons in life about how to be an adult when they're kids I don't I know this much Outside of my wife and my my two children, I'd give a lot to go back and be a kid again. That was a lot more enjoyable at some point than being an adult with all these, you know, responsibilities and all this stress and all these challenges that we have going on in the day and age today. Doesn't anybody else want to go back and be a kid? I mean, I know I sure do. You know, so we're always trying to teach these kids these lessons about how to be an adult, how to be a life, how to live life when they're kids. I don't know. Maybe we as adults should take a step back and kind of let it happen a little bit. So what, your kid gets a, you know, a participation medal. Boy, there was that really funny movie and I think it was Meet the Parents and, you know, they showed, how was it, uh, I can't remember, Ben Stiller and they showed him in his room and they had conflicting two different families. You know, Ben Stiller's family rewarded the fact that he, you know, was 10th place and I think it was Robert De Niro was the father of the other family, his, his soon-to-be wife, and he was, you know, they only valued winning. And that was kind of a funny part, but that kind of correlates a little bit to what we're talking about. You've got two different ways about going about it. It's not a big deal. I mean, however anybody wants to go, if you are really big on only getting a trophy if you win and your kid gets a participation medal, talk to him about it, take it away. That's fine. As long as you communicate and let them know what's going on. But if you want to sit here and say, it's okay, you know, my, my son or daughter played a sport for four or five years. And those types of things help them stay playing, help them stay with their friends during those years of playing that given sport. I don't know. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But at the same time, if you want to advocate that winning is all that matters, well, there, there's value to that too. Um, but to think that that's going to turn around in 20 years and, and, and make you uh, think that your son or daughter is going to be ultra successful because they learned at 10 years old that it's only about winning. I don't know. Maybe. So I guess I'm a little bit more on the side of giving the trophies, giving the medals. Who cares? If somebody wants to spend their money um, to try and, and, and invest in your young student athlete continuing to play sports, I don't know. To me, that's not a big deal. I, I think we make way too much of it as adults, in my opinion. Is it something that needs to be addressed? Absolutely. I do think it's something that needs to be addressed. I think trophies for you know just being a part of the team, no. Do I think they should get them? No. But at the same time, I don't make a big deal about it. But we need participation in sports. You know, do I think esports and that stuff is really cool? Yeah. I mean, we always sit here and talk about, you know, technology is really important. 
You know, kids are going to grow up and they're going to use technology to enhance this world. So esports and kids playing video games, those things aren't the worst thing ever. But do we need them sitting on a couch for, you know, five hours a day on a weekend, um, sitting there watching YouTube and TV? Well, I don't think that either. It's that fine balance. You know, we need kids out there just running around, letting them play and, and, and just enjoying being active. But at the same time, to, to, to sit here and tell a kid, you know, it's the worst thing ever to get a participation medal. I don't think it's the worst thing ever. You know, again, Matt talked about it last week. I think his stance on it is, is right because that's his belief. So think about that stuff as we're kind of working with our young uh, student athletes moving forward. So coming up next, uh, interview with Jake Reem. I'm excited. I probably talked too long on this segment here because Jake is a talker. Um, Jake's going to rival me for how much he can talk. So this might be one of our longer episodes, um, especially I, I don't want to cut Jake off because I think he's going to have great perspective. Talking a little bit about um, the sports today and how, how they've changed uh, from our time of playing, but also kind of hearing a little bit of his perspective about you know seeing his dad as, as a college football coach, seeing his dad as, as, as his father and kind of putting those two things together and what he's learned from um, obviously all that and, and kind of where he is today. So really excited to talk to Jake next. And we'll we'll talk with him just here in a few minutes. Next, joined now with Jake Reetma. Jake works for ninety seven point one The Ticket. We were just talking. I always do this off air, Jake, and you know, try not to critique me too hard. But you're a big time radio uh, worker at ninety seven point one The Ticket. I've heard you on the show, so here I am, lowly podcast guy, interviewing uh, the big time ninety seven point one. I got to cut you off there, man. I got to cut you off, and and. I, did you hear anything I said before we went live here? I mean, well, no, there's no big time star. We're just just a couple of guys hanging out and and, and having some fun. And, and seriously, thanks so much for having me on today. It'll be a lot of fun, and uh, it's it's great to talk with you. I've really enjoyed uh, getting to know you a little bit more here recently, and just sharing uh, some stories and and a lot of things that we have in common. Right, Jake. You know, you also are the host for the GLIAC Football Weekly podcast uh, that goes out. Obviously, the GLIAC is not currently playing, but we're looking forward to that resuming and you getting up and running. Um, so you've got a great connection both to the GLIAC. You know, I talked about it in my first segment. You played at Northwood, uh, played for your dad, who's the all-time winningest coach at Northwood. He played there from 2011 to 2015. So I actually coached against you. And you probably made a bunch of plays that forced us to run, you know, different plays we didn't want to, you know. So we have with us a legend at North. No, Carolina. no, no. You remember me because you guys were probably game planning. Go at him. Go at well, him. That's where we could have success. Well, we may have tried. It may not have worked too well. Those are always some really tight contested games. But, you know, I'm really excited, no, no. Jake, to talk to you and kind of get your perspective on two things. We were just touching on it. Your time at Northwood playing for your dad, playing for a legendary coach, seeing both sides of that. And then I kind of want to talk a little bit about, you know, your perspective, you know, maybe coming from working at 97.1, the ticket and seeing sports from such a higher level that you guys talk about and what kind of impact that has on, you know, sports and society. Today. And I actually like to start there. You know, if, if there's anything that I've ever been critical on this podcast or even just with people I'm talking to. In today's society, the 24-7 news cycle, I think, has a great impact. You can look at it positive or negative to, to however you choose, you know, in society because you guys have to talk. You guys have a job to do. You have to fill a time talking about sports, and that's got to create so much conversation. From your perspective, working at 97.1, listening to some of those radio personalities who are super opinionated, and it's a great entertainment, what kind of impact do you think the, the, the major sports media has on uh, sports today? Yeah, Dan, I think it's a great topic of discussion. And a lot of it for me is is about the perspective in which you're, you're approaching the the overall content, if you will. And that's one thing that uh, 
in my, you know, I don't want to say I have the most unique perspective, but I have been been fortunate to kind of have uh, a lot of experiences as both an athlete um, and, and being raised by a coach. So I like to think, and my brother is a coach, I like to right. think I kind of have that coach's perspective. And then as as a sports journalist, I, I went to Northwestern to really hone in on the the craft after my time at Northwood to, to be the best, you know, sports reporter, sports journalist that I could be. And, you know, I'm still, I'm very, very young in all this. I'm, I'm, I'm learning each and every day. And I think uh, if you talk to my, some of my mentors who I've been fortunate enough to get to know, they would tell you, I still have a lot to learn. Right. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but uh, to take kind of the, the slice of the whole sports media pie and just look at sports radio specifically, it is, it's a really delicate balance between having those big opinions and, and developing engaging content and, and connecting with your audience and also being fair to, to the teams that you cover. Um, and I've had some great conversations with guys at 97, one, the tickets who, you know, to no fault of their own, but they've, they've never been on the other side. Right. You know, they've never played sports at a very high level. And, and those that have, um, you know, it's not to, it's not to put athletes on a pedestal, but it is, it, it's, it's right. different when your perspective has been on that side, you've been in locker rooms, you know, you've been, um, I guess for, for lack of a better term, you've been yelled at by a coach because um, I think uh, in, in going back to being uh, being raised by a coach and, and the relationship I had with my father and then having the, the opportunity to play for him, which is to this day um, what I'm probably most thankful for in life and, and those memories that I cherish. But uh, it, it's the best way to describe it all is your perspective. I think it, you have that ability to to see things from different point of view and kind of toe the line between sports journalists and also remembering that the people you're covering, um, you know, what goes into being an athlete to a coach. And and I try to use that to my advantage and, and really provide that, that unique and engaging perspective. And as for the 24-hour the the news cycle or sports cycle, I think that uh, it's – I, I would classify it as a, maybe a necessary evil. Um, one thing's for sure, it's, it's not going anywhere. Right. You know, I don't think we'll ever go back to uh, when I was a kid, you were probably the same way where you wait until 11 o'clock right. sports center is coming on and you got to see the highlights. Now, if you want to see something now, you go on Twitter. Right. And uh, um, I think there's, like I said, it's not going anywhere. So now it's about how do we use that in a productive manner and and not get consumed by it which right. is also a very delicate balance and and i i i find with me i i can get consumed by it and right. you know there's times where i have to take a step back and and, and you know and i, I don't want to use the term self-care but kind of take a step back and 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 realize that okay you know it's yes sports is going on 24 7 it's important that i'm in the know it's important that i that I know what's going on for my job so I can be the best right. you know, radio reporter that I can be. But at the same time, you got to keep it together without, without being consumed by it. One of the things I do, I do appreciate about your, your station. You know, I'm, you know, nowadays you can listen, you can stream from all over the place. You don't have to be in the local area anymore. So I, I can listen. I used to li listen when I was up in Marquette. I listen here. I live in Wisconsin now. But one thing I've always appreciated about the show is number one, it's it's an entertainment. Let's not forget what sports, yeah. everything associated with it is it's entertainment. So the radio personalities, I think, do a great job of entertaining. But I also think they challenge and critique, you know, primarily the professional sports, which is what you guys cover. You know, you're talking about professional athletes who have worked really hard to get to this point, but I've also never seen them attack them personally. It's always about their play or it's always about how they coach. That I'm totally fine with. I think that that is right. 
However, do you oh. see the young student athletes that maybe would listen to that? Do they kind of get that message mixed sometimes? Do they struggle when they hear the strong opinions from some of those radio personalities when they maybe can't discern the difference between, okay, they're just challenging, you know, the head coach of the Lions as a coach, not as a person, but the young right. people. Right. Dan, you, you, are, you are spot on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, that's, uh, you, you said I was going to critique, you know, this is uh, applause all the way because you, uh, you you nailed it right on the head there, and I and I think on the other side of the the coin, I think I was guilty of this sometimes in, in my career. Is you know you you um, if you let's say you host a show, you reach out for for uh, you know uh, feedback on it, and I would take things personally if people didn't necessarily like my content. And it's it's not it's uh, it's all about it's all about trying to become the best best version of yourself, and I think that goes for what whatever side of the business you're on. And so as an athlete, you know, going back to my player's perspective, I think back to when uh, when I would be challenged by coaches and I'll never, I mean, there, I, I could write a book on all of the, the, the wisdom I learned from my father. But one thing that uh, he always stressed was when a coach is getting at you or, or coaching you hard, that's because he believes in you. He cares right. about you. You should be most concerned if, if a coach stops yelling at you right. because he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't think you can get the job done. And, um, I guess to to your point about uh, younger athletes maybe taking things personally, and I don't I don't want to get into the oh, young young athletes are so soft now because it's uh, you know we we don't want to do that by any means, but I do think there's an element of just inexperience and you grow as a person to where where you know you become more coachable, you're able to take the criticism a little bit more, and that again that goes for me. I've even felt that in in two years being at the ticket, you know we we get negative feedback all the right. time. And, uh, you know, it's depending on the source, too, if it's a if it's a credible source, you know, you take it into consideration and think, OK, I could have done this better. I could have been better here. But the same goes for athletes. I think uh, being, you know, knowing that it's it's not an attack personally, but it's it's a commitment to the job, a commitment to the craft. I got to ask you, I want to take some time here to talk about your, your time at Northwood playing for your dad, legendary. Uh, head coach at Northwood, all-time winningest coach. We've touched on that before a little bit. I, I really want to talk about the balance between being son and player. Um, everybody I've talked to to this point has either been a former player or was, you know, I, I spoke with a, somebody I used to work with that's a you know head high school coach, and he coached his sons. So we got kind of the reverse uh, standpoint uh, last week. But this week we get a chance to talk to somebody who played college football um, played for both his father and the head coach at the same, you know, your father was the head coach. Was there a unique pull or did you just feel it all meshing together? Did you treat your dad as dad at practice or was he coach or was it, you know, was it kind of hard to draw those lines sometimes? Yeah. Great. Another great question, Dan. And and this is, it really is a fun subject for me to talk about. And, uh, and I appreciate you allowing me the, the platform to do so. And, and uh, you know, uh, for those that don't know, my father did. He passed away in in 2015. We miss him every day, right. um, and and I think that adds to the 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 memories and, and just cherishing those. And I I I cannot stress enough how much of an honor it was to to play for my dad and have that opportunity. And to take it a step further, it was something I always wanted to do. You know, growing up the son of a coach, because. I mean, when my, my father first took the job at Northwood the, in 1992, the year I was born. So that's what I always knew. And I grew up, you know, idolizing Northwood football players. And and and, and I saw firsthand the passion that my, my father had for coaching and the relationships he built with, with grown men. And, you know, that resonates with you as a kid. And so to 
kind of fast forward to when it was my turn to put on the Northwood uniform. That was something that was, it was such an honor to me and knowing that he was, he was at the helm and to have the opportunity to play for him. And of course we, we had our, uh, we had our time, we had our moments. Uh, we always joke about one, one play in particular that uh, anybody that's watching uh, that's heard this story knows exactly where I'm going. I told it at my father's funeral, but uh, one particular play uh, in, in Canton, Ohio, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium. Uh, one one Reema me had may, maybe made a, a little bit of a late hit out of bounds, and uh, one Coach Reema was not too particularly pleased with me on that. We had a, a very, very uh, short conversation post-game, a one-way conversation post-game. <laughs> Uh, I did not do a lot of talking, Dan. I did a lot of listening. But uh, no, those. In all seriousness, I I had the um, playing for my father was something I will always always cherish. And I think the best way to describe the dynamics of the relationship was it 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 kind of all happened organically. You know, we we did have conversations about separating father and son, but uh, make no mistake about it, he he was competitive as hell, and so was I. So right. we. We knew that we were striving for North for success, for the Northwood football team to be the absolute best that they can be. And I knew anything he said to me was for the betterment of the team. It was, right. you know, it was going back to what we just talked about. It wasn't personal, you know. Right. And I think, um, and my brother was there uh, at the time as well. So we uh, we had uh, the whole family affair going on, and those those memories, those even little things like being at practice together, but. Uh, you know, we uh, we also had a saying, you know, between the white lines, whatever was going on between the white lines and in the heat of competition, that was uh, you just kind of had that understanding of knowing that that uh, we're, we're out here trying to win and doing things the right way. And when we're on the football field, uh, it's it's uh, no chill. All bets are off. And, and we're, we're trying to win football games. But then afterwards, we'd go out to dinner and we'd, uh, you know, we, we we that relationship would go back to being father and son. And. Um, again, you know, as I look back on it, it was, it was for the, my, you know, favorite years of my life that I'm so, so thankful to have. And, uh, I think if I, if I were to give any advice, I, I, I guess, which is kind of silly, the thought of me giving advice, but here, <laughs> here we are, I would just say, you know, just to really embrace all of it. You know, um, I think my father embraced it on his end. I know I did. And, you know, we didn't look at it as, uh, you know, are we doing everything right and making sure that the we don't blur the lines between father and coach. It was, again, I say, I use the term organically because I really do think that it just, it, it was a very natural process that we just had that, that agreement, that understanding and uh, the relationship between father and coach was always, it was always just understood for me. Right. Well, that's, I want to kind of ask you, this is going to be a tough question because I'm going to try to have you pinpoint something that maybe you learned in all that time. Um, but, you know, there's even coaches on your the coaches on the Northwood staff still that are kind of from your, your father's coaching tree. Um, so things are still kind of continuing there, I'm sure, from a legacy standpoint. But if you had to kind of boil down, you know, what was one of the big leadership aspects or traits that maybe your dad uh, passed on to you from whether it be a coaching standpoint or maybe father's son? What's one thing you can take away from being a college athlete, playing for him and that staff? And again, some of those coaches are still there that really resonated with you that have helped get you to where you are today. Absolutely, Dan. And this is one of my favorite questions because the the answers are, are still so clearly in my mind. And, and, and truthfully, I, I live it out each day. But my father had pillars that he built his program upon. And and those pillars were are still to this day things I use in my everyday life. Number one, winners have passion. 
And that even as a, at a young age, that was probably the word passion just st stood out to me so clearly. And then when I was immersed in the situation of, of being a, a, a part of the Northwood football team, I saw the passion that that he coached with each and every day. And and in fact, I, I to tell you a quick story, my first job out of college at North uh, from Northwood was not in sports. It was not in sports media. It was a, uh, a corporate job. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a salaried position and I was making more money than I ever had. But I, I didn't have the passion for it. And and the, the thought of doing something I wasn't extremely passionate about um, just resonated with me. I couldn't I couldn't live with myself. Right. And I knew my heart was in sports media. It was in covering the game that I loved and being a part of a, of a team, you know, in a different sense, but, but uh, that's where my passion was. And so, you know, it's one thing led to another. Here I am now working in something that I'm extremely passionate about. I think uh, another um, pillar that my father built his success on was integrity. And, and you know, integrity is a, a very broad term that can be applied to a lot of different things, but it's it's also very simple you know i think uh sometimes we we toss things around is this right or is this wrong and we don't give ourselves enough credit i think you know deep down your gut instincts are going to tell you if something's right or something right. wrong and sure you know i made plenty of mistakes I, and i'm making mistakes each and every day uh, but uh i i think that having the the mindset uh, of conducting yourself with character and with integrity is something that uh you know, we was instilled within me at an early age and then carried through my time at Northwood. And then um, another thing that uh, my brother and I use this all the time is the uh, Theodore Roosevelt speech, the man in the arena. And my, my father stressed that on us. And uh, it's just, I, I encourage anyone to, to read the, the speech of the, the man in the arena, but a couple of portions that stick out to me is is you know the credit belongs to those that are in the arena whatever your arena is be in that arena and you know if it's if, if you're a high school athlete that's your 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 studies as a student athlete first and foremost but and being a part of that team you're in the arena you know it's very easy for a critic to point out where and that's in the, it's in the speech where where the the doer of the deed stumbles and and, and falls short but I, I the, the speech goes on and says, I, I pity the soul that knows neither victory or defeat. So you're going to have defeat in life. You're going to have adversity. But that that's a heck of a lot better than than being on the sidelines and not knowing either victory or defeat. So I I, uh, I, I use that those those three pillars quite a bit, um, both as when I was a, a student athlete at Northwood and, and in my everyday life now. And they're all. You know, you know, my my dad. We'd always tease him. You know, you you know, you you're taking other people's ideas. They're not always from you. And he'd say, you know, imitation's the highest form of flattery. So right. uh, I, I think it's okay to to emulate people that have gone before us and, and and really paved the way. And my father's definitely in that category. And my mom too. I mean, God bless her as, as well. She uh, she deserves a lot of the the credit as well. Uh, right. My brothers and I joke all the time that. Our parents put together a, a heck of a blueprint for us to follow. We have, we have no excuses now, right. Dan. There's no right. excuses. The blueprint's out there. Well, it's a great way to kind of end up this quick interview. You know, your parents were, were very influential in your life. I got a chance to meet your mom. You know, it was at, you know, when I got a chance to stop through and pay my respects when your father passed. Um, got a chance to meet your mom and talk to her a little bit there. Um, but, you know, I just, I spent so much time. I played against your dad, mm -hmm. coached against your dad. 
and to, to think what he may be thinking right now, knowing that a Saginaw Valley Cardinal is interviewing a Northwood Timberwolves, <laughs> mortal enemies other than in this 10-minute, right. you know, That's we had right. some really good battles, and I, I'm sure yeah. maybe maybe he's getting a kick out of it right now. And I even wore a little bit of my blue for you. Yeah, I, I see that. I had yeah. to stare at the Saginaw Valley pitchers in the back. I'm sorry right, about that. You right, had to look right, at a couple yeah. of Saginaw Valley things, but <laughs> – you know, that was a lot of fun, Jake. I think that perspective was really good to kind of hear what it was like, you know, to play for your dad, some of the things you took away. And I know, you know, the the Go Make a Difference um, initiative is really strong and important. I think really, you know, it was always, you know, I always saw it as Go Mad. You know, and it took me a while to realize really what that MAD, stu- you know, stood for. And to be able to go out and make a difference is something that I think we need more in this society. <laughs> we need more in life. Yeah. We need people to go out and really yeah. make a difference as opposed to just, you know, maybe whining or complaining. I'm gonna. I am a big advocate that sports is really the tip of the spear for that. So I, I think your message is no right doubt on. about it. Yep. Yep. I would not. I, there's no chance I would be where. And again, I say this as I'm. I'm striving each and every day to continue to to push to where to meet my goals and 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 where I want to be down the road. But what I learned as as a student athlete at Northwood, there's no doubt in my mind that as is the to help form me to become the person I am today. Well, that was a lot of fun, Jake. You know, um, at the end of the day, I know the Gleak's not playing right now, and this was a really fun interview. I think we formed a good friendship, but when Saginaw Valley and Northwood meet, we will be on opposite sides. You do realize. No doubt about that. That's right. We got to get that axe back. We got to paint it blue. (laughs) It's it's a heck of a rivalry. It's one that I really cherish, and not to try to, you know, you you mentioned, you know, getting the axe and that trophy is really important, but that – battle between those two teams I think really epitomizes everything that sports is about and hopefully a lot of people get a chance to follow and see it this upcoming spring so Jake stay safe we enjoyed having you that was a lot of fun we look forward to talking to you soon absolutely sounds good thanks so much Dan all the best to you thanks Jake Reed that was a lot of fun um, getting a chance to you know follow Jake's career um, coached against him uh, and with his time at Northwood and then when I saw that he was at 97.1 The Ticket, you know, it's a, it's a radio station I've listened to before. Um, I've actually heard him on air. I think he does a phenomenal job, and he does a really good job with um, Gleag Football Weekly Podcast. So uh, thanks thanks for him to jumping on. His perspective um, about being, you know, a player, uh, being a coach for his, you know, his legendary father at Northwood, you know, there was just some really good messages in there. Uh, I think for any young student athlete, any parent, any adult to listen to and just really kind of hear with where we're going how you can improve yourself. So thanks to Jake for coming on. That was a lot of fun. Um, I want to do a final segment here, and I'm going to talk about the Big Ten and sports restarting. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make any friends here. I mentioned it in the first segment. This is going to be pretty tough and pretty critical for me um, because I have some really strong opinions on this, and anybody that's heard me um, talk about this topic um, has heard me be pretty opinionated, and I am pretty pretty have pretty strong convictions regarding this. So you know, we've had all this going on with the pandemic, and there are a lot of moving parts to this. There is a health and safety uh, measures, which is the most important thing, which is all that really matters. And then it sure seems like there's some political elements of this. I am not going to talk about the political elements. That's for other shows. Um, that's for somebody else to talk about. But I had obviously been following since the summer what's going to go on with sports in the fall. What happened in the spring was just wild. You know, th- th- this virus came on and it came so fast. Um, that we we were all just kind of trying to figure it out the time. And for all those sports and the NCAA tournament and all those spring sports to be canceled, it, it was a shame, but it does feel different um, than where we currently are. 
And as we all kind of went through the summer, we're all waiting to see what's going to happen. And of course, because you're affecting football season, great big bad football, this was a big topic over the summer. So what happened with so many sports, with so many leagues, excuse me, is they canceled their leagues, you know, I think around August. Um, I was a part of the GLIAC. They had, you know, at one point pushed to conference only. And then after that shows, shortly after that, to, to cancel the season and move to a spring schedule. My opinion on this thing is, is, is maybe rooted in that, that I was somewhat inside of it. Um, but I'm very frustrated at leagues like the Big Ten. Um, it's my opinion. For those coaches that I know, um, if that, that league and other ones that are going to get a chance to play, I am happy for them now. But the decision-making process um, of the Big Ten is, is very discouraging to me. Um, I guess I can also speak to some of the state governments that have kind of, I'm going to use the term flip-flopped on sports in the fall. And here's the challenge that I have with it, okay? And this is the, this is the statement I've said to anybody. What changed from, you know, two months ago? Okay, number one, we know more than we know now. So I agree with that message. But it just doesn't feel, that, does, that message doesn't feel legit, okay? It feels like it's something they formulated to say we needed to get football back or sports back because we saw other schools or other leagues, excuse me, that decided to push through. Okay, you always knew there was going to be challenges. On the front end, you knew there was going to be games that are going to get canceled on a Friday for that Saturday noon kickoff between whoever. Okay, in high school, you knew because kids are going to try to come back to school, you knew that there was going to be weeks that they were going to be canceled. You knew that before, in my opinion, in my belief system and what I'm what I've been following and what I've been reading. To be slow, to be patient, to me, was the right move. You see, you see leagues like the SEC. They never wavered. University of Notre Dame, they joined a different league for the year so that they could play. And to me, that was always the right approach. Okay, now this is the first time I'm talking about it. So if, if someone's a first-time listener, then you obviously didn't hear me talk in the summer. Right? You know, I, don't, I didn't have any medium to talk about at that point. But just to my friends, to my colleagues... That, was, that always should have been the approach. Slow down. We know more about the situation. Take our time. You don't have to make drastic, cut-the-line decisions. But that happened in August. My argument to the case is when that happened, how you can go back, how you can restart the seasons, and again, especially in football, I'm going to ask what kind of credibility do you have moving forward? And I'll challenge you know, Kevin Warren. Okay, He's in a big-time position. He's prepared for the criticism. He stepped into quite a buzzsaw, but it is what it is. Okay, He's prepared for this criticism. He looks like he is, is, is well qualified for the job at the beginning, but you have to be ready for this criticism. Okay, And everyone is throwing you know, arrows at him left and right. That's part of being in the job. But at the end of the day, how do you have credibility moving forward is my question. It's an open-ended question. I don't have the answer. Some people are just going to blindly follow anybody. But if you make a decision moving forward, what's to say that we can't just argue or have enough petitions or social media uh, build up to get it changed? And I'm going to throw the same thing at the state um, governments that are doing it in, in the high schools. In my opinion, they never should have been canceled in the first place post-summer. Okay, we knew more about the virus. We were more prepared. It's never going away. This virus is never going to go away. It's going to be like the flu and, and the cold moving forward. It's always going to come back around. So this isn't something where we were like, okay, if we wipe this thing out by August 1st, we'll play. And if we don't, you always knew that it was hanging over your heads that a zero case rate is not possible moving forward, maybe for the rest of eternity, at least probably for my life. 
Okay, so now to change in the midst of it, it, the optics feel awful to me. And I'm really disappointed in the leadership, in my opinion. And I know it's easy to say, and we're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars, especially at the college level. I would have liked to have seen Kevin Warren stay strong. I would have liked to have seen, eight weeks ago, we said health and safety was at the forefront. We were going to stick with it. We know it's not what everybody wants. We're going to stick with the fact that we believe that the health and safety is the most important thing for these kids. While cases are rising at colleges, by the way, okay, they're having kids stop and going to school at colleges and they're starting football. Makes no sense to me. The credibility has been shattered, in my opinion, of the leadership at some of these highest levels. And I don't know how we're now going to expect the youth of, of America, of our society, to not think this is normal. You make a decision, it doesn't mean anything nowadays. Somebody makes a decision, you don't have to listen to it. You get enough people to argue, get enough people to complain, and we'll get it changed the way we want it. I don't like that philosophy, okay? Now, here's what I would also say to the leaders. At the end of the day, you got a lot of time, you get paid a lot of money to figure this out better than how we did it, okay? It's easy for me to sit here and say, I'm not involved. I'm sitting in my little office on this, this YouTube, just giving my opinion, because this is America and I'm allowed to do it. But at the end of the day, this is what you get paid for. So I don't want to hear you complaining afterwards because you've destroyed your credibility and you've got a lot of work to do to build it back up. And again, I'm kind of speaking to the Big Ten. That's my area. I know I'm not involved in some of these other leagues. I live in the Midwest. This is the league that means the most to me. And then I watch high school sports um, and there are different state governing bodies. Okay, so to me, I think all those people that are involved in those decision-making processes, you got a lot of work to do to build your credibility back up because I think it's been shattered. In my opinion, I speak for one person and one person only. Um, and I think it's something that we have to evaluate as leaders, as adults moving forward. When we make decisions, number one, are we prepared to have those uh, decisions be stood there and be challenged and not buckle just because? And, and that's the thing I struggle with. I watch all these parents want their sons to play football, and I agree with them. They never should have been taken away, in my opinion. A lot of safety measures were put in place. A lot of very hardworking coaches and administrators put themselves in position to find a way to get it done. I think we should have stayed the course with it. And if you have to deviate in the middle of it, adjust. I hate to use the word pivot, but then we do that because we know more about this virus. But for them to make those decisions and then turn around in, in five weeks, it looks to me, and, and I'm sure millions of people have said it, it looks to me like they watched all those teams playing in week one and two and said, oh boy, we missed out. And I don't like that. You make a decision, stand strong. And I'll use baseball as an example. The Major League Baseball early on in their season had some cases and everybody thought, here we go, it's going to come crashing out. And they pushed through. Now they've got the finances to be able to handle the testing and make sure that their players um, and their professional athletes and make sure that their players are you know, healthy, as, as healthy as and, safe, as and safe as they can be. It's different than high school sports. It's different than small college sports. And it's, heck, it's even different than major college sports. Okay, but at the end of the day, I'm just I'm really discouraged by the leadership and the decisions that we're making that are now showing young people in society that if you don't get what you want, all you got to do is make a big enough ruckus and you'll get it. And I think that's concerning. So you leaders, again, I could be wrong on that. Again, I'm probably on an island on this for the schools and the players and the administrators and the coaches that got a chance to play this fall because of these decisions being reversed. I'm happy for you. I really am. I want to make that very clear. But at the same time, we got to be very cautious about how we are going to move forward in society with decisions. And if it's something that we don't like, I talked about it in the last episode. You know, sometimes you get put in position where you got to do something you don't like. You got to do something that doesn't seem fair. And in this case, no one was asking you to go overseas and, and, and fight a war. 
They were asking you to listen. They were asking you to maybe miss a senior year, everything you'd ever work for. You weren't going to be harmed by it. So I think we've really got to consider where we want to go as society. When leaders make decisions, if we're not going to follow, if we're just going to get mad, then in my opinion, it's chaos. You know, so I think it's both sides. I think as leaders, I'm really discouraged by kind of what happened with the flip-flop. Never should have happened in the first place, in my opinion. These young student athletes and administrators and coaches should have been put in position to make sure it was done safely. They should have been held accountable to that, and then we should have pushed forward. Okay, but at the same time, when you make decisions, just a flip-flop like that, I don't know how, how there's any credibility moving forward with some of these leagues. I don't know how there's any credibility moving forward with some of the things. If someone makes a decision you don't like, you'll get it changed. That's what we've just told everybody. And I'm really discouraged by that. Um, so again, kind of hate to end on a little bit of a sour note, but I thought it was a really important uh, topic. I wanted to talk about it. Um, I wanted to save it for the end. So hopefully everyone was able to kind of follow up and listen. You can formulate your own thoughts on this last segment. Again, I'm sure I do not share the same mentality as everybody. Uh, maybe I speak for myself and myself alone, and that's fine. Um, you know, I'll stand on that island myself. Uh, but at the end of the day, I can't thank Jake Reema for coming on enough. That was a lot of fun. Um, getting a chance to talk to him and kind of hear his perspective again, both as a coach, where he, you know, kind of fits with, you know, the the major sports uh, media, um, and again, just kind of talking a little bit about sports and just kind of reviewing some of those things about participation trophies. Hopefully, it resonated with somebody. If it did, great. Again, I'll always say, um, feel free to comment, make some, you know, suggestions, things that you think. If if you you and happen to follow and listen to the show. Um, I really enjoy doing this. So uh, look forward to next week. Everyone stay uh, healthy, stay safe out there and enjoy your weekend.